Hi, this is Tony Salvaggio, and I beat the often path by thinking outside of the box and solving social problems with a business model. Tony Salvaggio is a social entrepreneur and the founder of eSmart Recycling, a social enterprise whose primary goal is to recycle old technology to set up computer labs for kids worldwide. Well, it turns out that all kids need to be competitive in today's digital world as some Betamax tapes, some laser discs, and a few old paddles from the 1972 version of Pong. All right, maybe it's not quite that, but the point is this, e-waste is an enormous problem and tons of viable tech ends up in landfills or just collecting dust in old granny's broom closet when it could be used to give kids without access to computers a leg up. Well, joining us today is Tony Salvaggio. I am Ross Palmer and this is Beat the Often Path. So one of the social problems that you solved is this concept of e-waste, right? What is e-waste and how did you realize this was a problem? So I was born and raised in Venezuela. Right, and I spent basically all of my life there until April 10th of 2011, which is when I came to the United States. Okay. And one of my, without getting into the weeds of how I got into the e-waste industry, um, it, it didn't have, it, it just happened by, by you know, the circumstances. And e-waste was kind of a big thing back in 2014 when I started my business. It was like a hot topic, industry-wide. Uh. And but not anymore. It's not important anymore. You know, these trends, we've moved on. It's just like the ice bucket challenge. It's, it's over. The problem has well, been solved <laughs> since then. It's not trendy. Yeah, right. Man, the thing is that it's not. Um, and it's only going to get worse. And one of the things that I realized because of my background is that when we started recycling all of these computers from, you know, from your regular attorney office, your real estate guy that had just upgraded five computers, is that... These computers, when I saw them, it was kind of a culture shock, Ross, because they were pretty new. You know, I saw them, and I come from a country where you keep the same computer for like 20 years, right? And from a generation that you keep upgrading. And then when I noticed that these computers were pretty new, and if they had not met me at that time, they would probably end up in the trash. It was, it, it, it was very interesting for me to fully comprehend that. And then we started connecting with the community, because that's what you do. You connect with your community. And I started realizing that there were nonprofits that were self-serving kids and in the best country in the world, right? In a community that's so wealthy and they didn't have something as basic as a computer. And here I was, you know, picking them up from other offices that were getting ready to be thrown in the garbage. So I literally grabbed this old computer from this office that was about to be thrown away and I just checked to make sure that the computer was working, upgraded a couple of things. I didn't do it. I don't know nothing about computers, but, you know, a couple of friends of mine did. And then I put them in the hands of another kid or family or organization who was working with kids and families that didn't have a computer. And it was mind-blowing because now we had parents crying. We had kids grateful that now they had a tool to be able to do their homework, to play, to apply for a job. And it just became this idea that based on the amount of equipment that's being thrown away and based on the amount of kids and families who don't have something as basic, this should be a universal basic right, such as access to a computer, then we could potentially mix both of them. And that became, you know, that became the company and what we've been doing for the past almost 10 years. Such a fantastic idea. You managed to turn a computer into something useful that was old. The best that I could do with an old laptop was turn it into a Frisbee. I have done nothing with my life. I am the guy that you're complaining about. I've got old computers <laughs> sitting in a drawer. I, just, I hoard them 
for some reason mm-hmm. because I believe maybe one day you'll I'll use want that. to access that project file from 2009. Yeah. We know that that's it's, not true. It's not. And it's it's and the thing is that um we keep evolving. Like evolution right now is happening so fast uh that that if we don't get caught up faster, we're just going to be left behind and the gap is going to be so, so great that it's going to be very hard to catch up. Completely agree. Can I just sidestep for a second? Did you learn English growing up? Because your English is remarkable for <laughs> for somebody who's only been in this country for 10 years. I have to address that. Did you learn English that. before you came here? You speak incredibly well. Well, thank you for that. My mom, uh, it's it's one of my mom's greatest gifts. She, um, when she, when we were in Venezuela, she had an English uh, academy, so we where we taught English. And my first gig when I was growing up was as an English teacher for little kids. Got and it. then I grew up exposed to the language, and I, I still have a thick accent that um, my friends are constantly reminding it's me of. Really, <laughs> you don't have. You need to get some better friends, dude. Now, I was an English teacher for five years, so I was fully immersed. That was my first real job. I lived in Europe, and my first real job was teaching English for five years. So I've been around a lot of people. So that's why I feel like I have to acknowledge this. It comes from a place of under. It's like, dang, dude, you do not sound like somebody who's only been. I mean, I was in another country for almost 10 years, and I'm like a kindergartner there. So I wouldn't use words like mind-blowing. But um, so anyways, now that that's all uh, I just want to say. Awesome job. Um, very cool. I appreciate cool. that. Thank you. But it also speaks to the idea that you have this uncharacteristic story, which is the kind of story that I seek out. We talk about be the often path, off the beaten path. Travel's a big part of that, growing up in one country, settling down in another. I mean, that's all rolled into this concept, which I'm, again, I have done. My wife is half Costa Rican and half Dutch. So it's a, something that seems to always be a part of these unusual stories. And again, like, I didn't select you because of that factor. I really didn't. But it just, it comes up yeah. over and over again. So I want to kind of acknowledge that. But It's very interesting, you, right? Very, very yeah. interesting how life experiences kind of open your mind and, and help you exp- like go through different paths and it seems to increase the empathy that people have or the the concept of looking at others as not somebody that you should take advantage of but maybe somebody that you should help and saying hey maybe there's a problem that i can solve right. and i think you know there, there are two factions in the united states at least which i'm sure you've noticed one that says hey we've got to improve some of these things and other that just says i only care about me and myself and as long as my right. kid has the latest ipad and computer I don't care about your kid, Tony. It's it's only right. about whether my kid is happy. I mean, that's that's our society, right? right? And if each one of us only cares about ourself, that will build us all up somehow. But as you've seen, many, many people are left behind. And the digital divide is is a hot topic that very few people seem to be really addressing in an era of these are tips for how to get rich on social media and start your own digital business. And everybody needs to be a content creator. It's like, yeah, everybody, but what if you don't have a freaking computer? What if you don't have a computer? What chance do you have in the content game or any of the internet tech that's coming and is currently here? Right, right. Well, I think um, you, you, you mentioned something a little bit ago when that I think it aligns to what I feel is what we're going through as a society. And, and it's what you said when you said that um, the more you know about how everyone else is living, it gives you empathy. It gives you a better understanding of what life is like, right? So I think that for the first time in history of mankind for the past, what, 10 years, 15 years, is where where we have fully been 
acknowledging the rest of the world and the conditions that everyone lives in is the first time where we are actually feeling that we are part of this united world because for right. you know for 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 all through our history which some might say only... is the evil globalist agenda by the way so the, it's right. either we're all one we're all part of the same earth or there's an evil globalist agenda they're I coming know. for you tony yeah the, you better get ready and watch how you out get ready well you how you get, get a lot ready, of guns how you, I, I only have a couple, but when, <laughs> when you get ready is through, is through education. And I think that the more we get on the same page that education is this unifying force um, that will help us improve as a society, then, then we'll be able to realize that we're more, we're, we're more on the same page than we, than we think we are. Yeah. And, um, and I just think, you know, it's it's for the first time we're fully internalizing that. Like what you just said a little bit ago, uh, Ross, when you said, I, I want my kid to succeed and it's only it's it, it only matters to me. Yes, I understand that and how that was a logical frame of thinking, you know, four hundred years ago when you know, when we were in the middle of independence. But you mean, you mean those documents aren't a hundred percent perfect? You mean there's room for improvement? <laughs> right. You Get can you believe out that? Of here. Can you believe that, right? I mean, they didn't but even now, know how to use social media back then. So how smart could they have been really? Well, here's here's what I think our opportunity is, right? Now we're understanding that yes, we are looking after our best interest at all times. But now we are understanding that as a, as a community, we're not rising together. Then me looking after my best own best interest is by making sure that the people that are around me are in the place where I want to be. So now we have this general understanding that it is still rooted on the on 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 the principle of I'm doing and I'm acting out of my own self-interest is still rooted there, Ross. But now it's now we're understanding that it goes beyond that. It expands to the people that are around me and my community, right? Yep, I completely agree, and that's something that I think that some other cultures and countries do understand a bit better. Is that helping up other people does not hurt you, but it right. also helps you because there's this belief. That, I mean, I, there are so many people who don't have homes and houses. I live in Los Angeles. I'm sure it's the same in many parts of, of Florida as well. People right. who don't have homes. And some people believe that that is somehow a good thing because it's sink or swim and, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's your own fault, et cetera, et cetera. But in societies that don't have these issues where they take a more social approach, that makes all of society better for everybody. I've seen it firsthand. If you don't have that kind of extreme gap between the highest and the lowest, so many problems just go away. And it's problems that people don't like. Either people, people don't like dirt on the street. People don't like garbage. People don't like feeling unsafe at night. A lot of these problems go away when people have their basic needs met. And I agree with you that in this day and age, internet, computers, and tech should be a fundamental basic need for every human.
Yeah. So then, so then, what can we do, right? What yeah. can we do when we when we're managing our kids and our daycares and bills and our business and our own pursuit of happiness and our relationships and getting our marriage better? It's it becomes like, and now you're gonna add another thing to my list, which is it's I gotta hard. look after my neighbors. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's hard. It I is, get it it is yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard. But then I think that there's an opportunity, sure. and as businesses which are this institution that was created to take advantage of opportunities, then as businesses, I think we have, a, we have an opportunity in, in thinking outside of the box and approaching creative solutions where as, as, as a competitive advantage, hey, my competitive advantage is that I'm going to look after the people that you don't have time to look after. Right? Right. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for I'll you. I'll do it in my service offering. And I'll tell you how I'm doing it. So you judge if the way I'm doing it aligns with your core values and your mission. And if it does, then that's how we're going to be able to do business in a sustainable way. And we're going to be able to grow together. So I think entrepreneurship is poised to be able to take advantage of that. I completely agree. And that's one of the core topics that we're most interested in. And you have people like Tony Robbins who say, whether you love him or hate him or believe in anything he says or not, Mm -hmm. who says the secret to living is giving. And a lot of people believe that regardless of their background. A lot of people from different faiths have this belief that you should give and helping the community is a positive thing. And again, it is sort of a selfish thing to give as an individual, as an entrepreneur, because... Describe to me that first moment when you realized that you had a business idea. So you take the first computer out of the first place and you give it to the first kid. When did you realize that could scale? And what was that feeling that propelled you forward in that moment? Man, that's such a good question because I think it's an ever-evolving question, right? We are constantly looking at how do we perfect our business model? How can we make it sustainable? I think that the, the, the lighting bulb for me was when, when we were setting up the first computer lab, right? The first computer lab that we ever did. Ironically, it was done in a place that they were using as a community center. Ross, and you had these kids, and I, I, I'm, I'm touring the facility. And it was like 7 o'clock, and I go inside this room, and you, there were probably 20 kids in this room that was a computer lab with no computers. It was set up to be a computer lab, but didn't have oh, the break. computers, oh right? So you had these these like kids that were ages ranging from 5 to 13 with pieces of paper and crayons just drawing random things and you had the the older kids you know playing like hangman with this with the with the like younger kids and their parents were in the room next door we're talking about mexican immigrants they're from the areas of chapas they don't speak spanish they speak dialect so in the room next door they were receiving spanish classes because there was only a handful of interpreters that could actually speak their dialect so they can teach them Spanish first before they could learn English. Mm. So imagine the gap. Their kids, American-born citizens, enroll in our school system, speaking two languages now, up to three, because now they speak Spanish, English, and dialect. 
they they were the ones that were basically commanding the the energy of their relationships because they feel like they they're the interpreters they're they're the ones that are doing everything for their parents and barely going to school spending their evenings in a room with a crayon and a piece of paper and that's just that's that that was so unfair was so unfair and when we set up that computer lab that it happened to be to coincide on the day where the Mexican consul was doing one of their outreach, you know, community visits. We did a ribbon cutting Ross. Parents were crying. Kids were crying when all of a sudden there the, 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 there were computers where there were supposed to be computers. And I'm like, this is crazy. I mean, if we could do this more, then then it it, it, it should work. Right, because who wouldn't want to participate in this? And if you don't want to participate in this, then I don't want to do business with you either way, right? Because you're like, great, no, don't don't use me because right? I don't want to work with you. Um, and then we just kept doing it, doing it, doing it. And then we're still trying to figure out how can we make more money, how can we keep growing, how can we keep scaling? Because then our impact is going to be greater. Mm. I can imagine that the parent was crying because they knew that in 30 years, their child would also have carpal tunnel syndrome. <laughs> they say, finally, Neck my issues. child has the right Neck to issues. get a re repetitive <laughs> stress disorder from doing this for the next three decades of their life. Click, 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 then finally, oh my God, my arm's killing me. But, oh my gosh, but, that's fine. Know, the, the tears, what, do you, what does it represent? in that moment? What do the parents think that it represents in that moment? Because clearly it's symbolic. It's not the computer. It's a concept that they're right. crying about. What is that concept? You know, I think it means um, something different for, for the different things for different people, right? Um, so we've done these outreach in Latin America and Peru is one of the countries that I that I love the most. I have like great team members in Peru, and we've done a couple of computer labs. I'm dying to do another one this year. And when you approach them with something like this, they think it's a scam. <laughs> they think you're trying to scam them. Understandable, yeah. And that is that that what makes me understand is that we are so there's it's it's going to take a lot for people to eventually understand that economic systems are evolving and that we're changing and you know when when we're trying to approach an organization and tell them listen we have 25 computers we want to set up a computer lab we'd love to work with you because we love your mission and you don't have to pay a thing because this is all paid for by the partners and the companies that work with us they don't want to do it because they think we're gonna invoice them at some point after the yeah, whole you're gonna, thing. Is you're set. gonna break somebody's legs at some point. It's too then, good to be true. I get it. I know, and that's what it feels like. It feels like, uh, man, it, it's it's going to be fun. And it's uh, I, I'm not idealistic. I know I I understand that we happen to be in an industry where you could do this, and there's scalability issues even that we're trying to address. And it might not work for every type of industry, but if if we all figure out a way to include that in our service offering, you know, in our community leadership and our business leadership, then 
then the the burden is distributed amongst a lot of people so then you know then you can see change as as we as we you know keep evolving as a society i guess as we keep getting older yeah so do you think that the parents again because do they have access to computers probably not or maybe not in some of these situations they don't a lot of the times okay. because computers are such a mystic thing that no one really right, understands kind of how it works out, yeah. um they don't no one understands how the 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 product cycle works and there's this thing that they know it's expensive and it's like five hundred dollars and they don't understand that there are tiers and like the generation of the process is very complicated right um so so they they see sometimes the computer as this thing that they never thought that they could afford or that they never thought that they could you know the it was education right how do you don't realize that that's such a key thing that you need in your day-to-day lives it's well education because i have it now what i'm going to do with it do you think that people are generally aware who don't have access that there is this entirely separate world that's completely different from what we call reality that most people are living in 95% of their lives. And when we talk about AR and VR and all of that, it's only going to be more a part of living our life in this completely separate world. Do you think people have a concept of that at all? Or is that part of the lack of education? So I remember that I was six years old, the first time that I came to the United States. And it was, it was to visit some friends of my mom that lived up in Maryland. And I remember the first time that I went into a Walmart, I had to be like six years old. Grow, like I was still pretty young, right? But still born and raised in Venezuela. Caracas, like Caracas, in like in the in the seventies and eighties, was like top tier city in 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 the American continent. And I remember the first time I went to a Walmart, I couldn't believe the amount of cereal options that were there because I loved cereal. And I saw this whole freaking aisle full of cereal, and I never knew that you could have so much cereal. Um. And I talked to Cuban friends of mine that that escaped the island through a boat in their 30s and their 40s, and they tell me the same experience that as soon as they let they they you know they went into Miami and they took him to a Walmart to get some clothes literally off the boat. It was it was impossible for them to understand <laughs> what that you know level of capitalism was. So I think it's the exact same thing. You know, when it comes to everything that you and I might know that there's available to us for someone who doesn't have access to something like that, it's, it's you don't know what you don't know. It's you're not even there to fully comprehend what's out there. That makes so much sense. And even those of us who have been in it for most of our whole lives, younger millennials, people who have witnessed this technology gap, uh, even those who have been in it. It's no secret that it's getting more competitive every day. The best quality show, there's a million YouTube channels, there's a million podcasts, there's a billion blogs. All of these things are just getting more and more competitive every single day. So people with every advantage, with a leg up, they're still struggling to stand out and to differentiate themselves in this digital world. It is hard for literally everybody with every single advantage who doesn't get incredibly lucky. Now imagine everybody right. else, which is right. a huge part of the entire globe. 
Right. There's a there's a, there's this report that came out in 2015, if I'm not mistaken, by the Education Commission, and is one of the 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 I think the one who wrote it was Gordon Brown, which was the Prime Minister of the UK, like in I don't know 10 years ago, and he said one of the biggest uh, silent threats that we have as a society is by the year 2050. We're going to have about 3 billion adults that will not know how to do anything. They will not have any type of skills or, you know, tangible abilities to perform the type of tasks that the world is going to need at that time. They're just not going to be ready. They're going to be basically illiterate because the level of skills that we're going to need, they're going to be so far behind that they're just like going to be completely useless. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Do you know what kind of specific things? I mean, a grant, I'll say a lot has changed, you know, with the advent of AI and with all of these things taking shape, the singularity is just right around the corner where general AI becomes sentient, all of that. Um, what type of things do you think Gordon Brown was envisioning 10 years ago in terms of them not being able to do anything? I, you know, I, I think, man, I think so many different, even thinking, Ross, even like even taking the time to type out the type of request on ChatGPT that you want the request to produce, yeah. it requires a lot of thoughtful analysis as how you use your words and how you express that very concise idea. So um, you, you only get that by being exposed to tasks that challenge you and they keep pushing you forward like this this brian tracy has this amazing quote that i love is like the first million is the hardest just because of the type of person that you have to become the second million is inevitable yes, well I think of, that think that from quote. a human like from a human level right how how are we going to expect people to 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 learn how to code or program or use a tool like chat GPT or, or whatever AI evolution it'll come in 10 or 20 years. If, if they don't even know how Google docs works or how, you know, they've never been exposed to a word document. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge gap that you need to, that you need to fill there. Gap. And so again, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just widening all the time because, you know, if the best we can do is, and, and I'm not knocking this by any means, but if the best we can do is give somebody a few generations or a generation old technology, that is already beginning with a gap even there. And obviously right. that's better than not having access to technology sure. whatsoever, but things change so fast. It, it's, it's very stupid. I'm messing around with HDR video because I'm, I'm fascinated with it. I'm super tech. I like being ahead of the curve. I make a video. It looks great on my phone. I've got an iPhone 14 pro. My buddy says, Hey, it doesn't look quite the same on my iPhone 13 pro. It's like, Oh, well, I guess, sorry, buddy. You need to upgrade if you want to really see what HDR looks like. That's right. one year of the top of the line technology. Now you say five years and again, and again, we know that the difference between, let's say, the typical five hundred dollar Walmart laptop, which is affordable, is already you know several generations old tech. Take a five year old five hundred dollar laptop, compare that to the current maxed out generation of a MacBook Pro, for example. 
And you're talking about a pretty big gap in terms of capability when it comes to a lot of things like video editing, even coding, graphic design, 3D design, forget about it. There are so many nuances and elements to this. And it's just this huge thing that nobody's talking about except for you. I mean, in the society, I feel like nobody's really talking about it. Well, I, I mean, now, now, now we're talking about it, right? We're talking now, about it, yeah. Right, and now we're going to be like more intentional. And I think about that a lot. And I think, I mean, there, technology always has a way to shorten the learning curve. And I think that, that I'm hoping that's what's going to happen, right? Now you have so many projects that are looking at connecting the world through uh, uh, a mesh of Wi-Fi where, well, now if the world is connected through Wi-Fi, then maybe we'll be more enticed or the market will be, you know, more favorable if you start to look at options where now you're making sure that every person has access to a device type of thing. So I think it will, like the markets and, and science will, will help us get there, but but we can do our part to accelerate it, right? We can do it, We like, we don't have to... I remember like when before, you know, before the first Ford came out and, you know, manure was this huge problem in the world, right? What we'll are we going to do? That, yes. Right. <laughs> what are we going to do with this amount of manure? <laughs> it's like, like, okay, well, technology came. Right. Yeah. So we, we'll, we'll be there. But I, what I do think it's very interesting is that, you know, any strategy, any initiative that involves community engagement used to be looked as as a marketing strategy. Now I think we're being more intentional as to how it relates to our bottom line beyond just the pure marketing component from it. And that's going to be fun to witness in the next 10 or 20 years, how, how companies start to evolve, right? And, 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 and it attention. can be. It can be, you know, greenwashing is a thing and that's a problem. And of course it sets the serious people back, I think, because yeah. some people just say, oh, it's all greenwashing. It's all virtue signaling. But it's like, no, there, there's there's truth to this. Some people are doing that. It's true. But there is also, there are many more people who are very committed and who have their hearts and minds in the right place and see a problem. But, you know, I, I wanted to say, you know, before the last point seems so negative about the gap between technology, one of the positive things that the Internet has shown us, one of the few things that's truly positive, I think, about social media and the Internet is that if we think of Avatar 2 as being the tip top of what humanity is capable of in terms of content creation or what you can do with technology, right, 3D, uh, it's uh, HDR, it's super bright, super IMAX 3D, all of that, or even um, the Mandalorian shot on this gigantic LED screen. These are the tip top of technology. Well, it's been very interesting to me to see how, especially in the younger generations, if you look at TikTok, how that is not a requirement, how there is no correlation between better in terms of technical ability and reach and success. There is somebody out there who has an incredibly technically perfect channel with all this content and there's somebody else who just uses an old phone and just points it at their face with a, a light bulb and that person using the phone can have millions of followers as well and they can be more successful so there is this this sense that it's not the tech that matters to some degree uh, as long as the message is good and as long as somebody's able to resonate with an audience which of course in that three billion people there's going to be some people who know how to craft a message who can resonate with 
maybe 2.9 billion other people. <laughs> and then and then you start to realize that your market is is in your own backyard, right? As the people that you that you interact with and it's your community and the more you look after your own community where you live and work and where your kids go to school and where you raise your family, then then I think it's going to create a more uh uh, a tighter feeling between you and the place where you live. So at, at least that's what I'm hoping, right? You gotta, you gotta sort of stay positive because yeah, sure. you don't have Otherwise, any other choice. Do? Right. Right. And you, you, you know, it's, it could also be like, you're unleashing this disease on them. <laughs> <You're> saying, <clears throat> hey, here's social media. <laughs> it's like, right. Right. You know, which it, it's good and bad. And, you know, again, it's like, do you have a framework for dealing with that? But, but you know, that aside, which is which is not really the point of this episode, let's talk about after a few years, uh, you've done this for a while now. So after a few years, you've seen this lab. What are some of the changes that you've noticed, even one year on from people who didn't have access and they now have access? Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's such a great question as well, because now one of the uh, one of the things that we're realizing is that so the way that that our business model works is that we partner with nonprofits and it used to be that we deploy the computers to the end user and then we said no it's better to partner with nonprofits that are somehow trying to solve the digital equity question and give them the computers and then they need so they can distribute it to the kids and the parents and now the 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 data that we're seeing back as a result of those efforts is pretty encouraging, and it's everything that you would expect. You know, now they're um, now they the families now they have a they have an opportunity to apply for a job. So now we're looking at you know families and their medium income and how it's increasing, and you know the grades of the kids how it's also increasing because it comes from schools that were C grade schools and now they're B grade schools. So it, the macro level is there. But I think there's an opportunity to go deeper into into data collection of that well-being of that recipient of that student of that family nucleus, right? So then we started getting into software, and and that's one of the things that we started seeing. Man, hardware is definitely a component. Um, it's not a component that's necessarily difficult to solve because you you can mass deploy devices and hardware. But then what is happening? with the hardware how are they using the hardware how can we incentivize and motivate and reward people to use hardware in a in a purposeful way through digital education and then that's the, when we went ahead and we set up the digital education foundation and that's kind of what we're doing we're focusing more on the creation of content of purposeful content and the way it circles back to what you were just talking about so one of our signature programs that we're developing right now it's a course it's it's a digital course that you can access that we're piloting with a couple of schools here in Hillsborough County where if you're a kid we're addressing middle school and high school kids you can learn how to make content for social media so We'll give you a tablet, we'll give you a phone, we'll teach you how to create social media videos. We're going to put you up for a little contest, but the caveat is that it has to be on topics of value, 
right? It has it's 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 gra is grounded and rooted on content that we think should be shared more often. Teaching kids, okay, so in this sixty minute video that we're gonna teach you how to create, tell me about gratitude, tell me about honesty. Tell me about community engagement. Tell me about happiness, right? So then it's becoming this. Tell me about my new makeup kit for nineteen ninety nine. So spectacular! Ooh. Well, if you want to do that afterwards, if you want to do that afterwards, then then you can. Um, I mean, you're teaching these kids to not have any following at all. Right. Attitude, honesty, kindness, relevant topic. Who cares? Just give me something I can buy that's made of plastic. Come on, man. Listen, if you if like you were saying, social media is here to stay. We understood that as a society, we're vain. You know, we want all the attention. We, you can't. You can't. It's human nature. It came out right <laughs> now. Yeah. How are we going to use? That the truth? <laughs> how are we going to use that power and direct it to the benefit of society? Okay, now we know that we're all that we're all vain and self-centered. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Check. Check. Okay, how are we gonna then use the forces of the market to leverage that into something that's gonna benefit us as humans, as a society, right? How are we gonna nudge those those different um, uh, areas of our lives that we need to improve? So anyway, it's just fun. It's that's that's all for me, Ross. It's fun. It's it's fun figuring it out. Well, I mean, I can imagine that you get to experience a level of joy that most people don't get to experience. Because again, if you're grinding away as some cog in a much larger machine, you don't get that one-on-one interaction with the community that you get all the time where people, you know, right. most people do their work and nobody's crying with gratitude. <laughs> you know, I send another email and people are like, oh, you're five minutes late, go to hell. <laughs> Nobody's like, oh my God. You made my website look 5% better. Thank you so much. It's like, it's funny. But you get to feel that. You get to really impact your community and feel like you're making a difference, which is just awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And I don't know. Sometimes it gets a little bit overwhelming because of the feeling that I think you were just describing a little bit ago. It's a little bit of a feeling of hopelessness because you know there's so much. So much. And we're just never going to be able to see it, you know, in our lifetime. It's a generational thing. So then as that fine line is like, well, okay, so what am I supposed to do with my life with the time that I have? So it's better spent aligned with the mission and the vision that I have. And you just, you know, just grind away and you grind away and you grind away. That's the story of my life. And it's, but there is a certain type of person who asks that question. That's what I've noticed. There are certain types of people who ask that question and that question means a lot to them. There are other people who just don't really seem to. And I don't really know why. It's not an education thing. It's not an intellect. It's just a personality thing. I feel the very same way. I wake up every morning or I stay up late at night and I'm not sure. Sometimes I can't sleep because I think, what am I doing with my life? What am I going to do? How am I going to contribute? What is the maximum use of my skills? Should I be doing this or should I be doing that? Uh, Should I be doing a podcast? Should I be doing more original YouTube videos? Should I be doing none of this and just be building a business like you? It's always that question of how do I maximize the life that we have in the face of what seem like insurmountable problems? And how, you know, where do we jump in, in that stream of insurmountable, insurmountable problems, right? Right. So how do you, how, how do you deal with that? 
question with you that know, very pressing question. That's very interesting because I I go back and forth. It changes from from day to day. But you know, I I was in music for many years, and the immediacy of being in music, and again, you know, I was a DJ for a long time, and I could play music and people dance, and that's just a real intimate, immediate connection. If I look at my friends who are still doing that, their Instagram is just them with tons of people dancing, and that's super popular. And it's like, shoot, I kind of miss that feeling. I also was in comedy for a very long time in high school and college, and making people laugh. Same kind of thing. You get that community, that community feeling. So sometimes I look back on those moments of my life and I think, man, I screwed up. I, I did this wrong. But on the other hand, it's um, it's it's something that I feel like, okay, the reason that I do this show as often as I do and put in so much work, it's because I believe so deeply in these issues. I I see these things and I'm aware that other people don't see them. And I'm able to see a lot of issues across a lot of broad topics. I'm able to see human rights issues. I'm able to see environmental issues. I'm able to see issues with food consumption, all of that stuff. And I want to talk about it because I feel like not enough people are talking about these kinds of things. So sometimes I wonder whether it, it, it's the right avenue for sure. Sometimes I wonder whether it makes sense to, to do this because it takes up a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, it is the moments like this right here. This is what it's all about for me. I always am thoroughly engaged in these types of moments. And I think if nothing else, connecting with other like-minded people has a very profound benefit for me. Because if I don't do this, then I think the forces of the news and social media take over and then it feels much more hopeless and much more insurmountable. Because all you see, I, mean, I just read it through the news. It's just bad, 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 bad. Or this jackass did, sorry for the language if there's anybody. They, they did something stupid. They did something stupid. Here's somebody in Congress doing something stupid. Oh, here's somebody ruining something, ruining something, ruining something, breaking something. Here's a billionaire screwing up again. Here's a billionaire. You know, It's just so much of that constantly. And the ability to have these kinds of connections, at least it makes me feel like I'm not going insane. When right. a lot of the media from the world makes me feel like I'm insane for seeing these yeah. problems. I feel like I'm being gaslit by all <laughs> of what's external. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. I feel like, yeah, you. it's very hard to fully identify what to believe and what not to believe. You know, um, it's been it's been a journey. I think I'm so passionate about this what we're building it's because i honestly think that it aligns with my purpose in life right i didn't i didn't think it would be and i wish i'm i think i'm like you i have some friends of mine that you know that that are doing they're doing things that are giving them a lot of money. They're flipping homes and they're, you know, yeah, banking sure. and they're selling insurance and they're banking. I'm like, man, I I mean Sometimes I wish I didn't have, <laughs> sometimes I wish um, I would have kind of picked a, a, a simpler, more easy, easy, you know, rewarded um, life. But but in, the, in reality, it's not who we are. It's not really what makes us happy. It's not what makes us whole because we know what we could have done that would have taken us to the path where a lot of our friends are. And we purposely chose not to go that route for some reason. For me, the hardest, the hardest part is no, it's not knowing and just trusting that it'll work out because you never you don't yeah. know you, know, you keep you doing know. these things and you're like i don't know if i'm going down the wrong like, am you i know? making an impact is it worth I it mean, at all? yeah right i don't know if this you know you know um 
off <laughs> off the beaten path that I'm following is really going to generate the type of reward that I envision in my head. But if we feel like it is, then no one can take that away from us, right? Yeah. If we feel like we're doing what we what we believe that should be done, at the end of the day, no one will ever take that away from us that we did what we wholeheartedly thought that we should be doing. And that's my only, that's kind of my consolation prize at the end, right? Yeah, and I think all the philosophers, if you go back, you know, whether you're into Stoicism or any of the Greek philosophers, uh, Buddhist philosophers, the Tao, all of the philosophers, they say variations on the same thing. You know, you have to, rightness of speech, rightness of action, focus on doing what you believe in, focus on saying what you think is true, doing what you think is true, knowing that the masses, the public, the clacking of tongues, as Marcus Aurelius says, that that mm -hmm. you know will never be with you, or and that's not the goal. They say again and again, fame is not the goal, but we are these monkeys. And you said human nature has come out, and I will be the first to admit that it's like, oh man, I want to champion these causes, but of course it'd be nice if more people liked my Instagram posts. Of course it'd be nice sure. if more people followed my channel. Sure. Um, so there is that ego that always comes in. You have this desire to say, yes, I want to do the right thing. And I also want to get rich while doing it. And I also want everybody to love me while doing it. Even though the philosophy says that the right thing for the right thing's sake is the only thing that should matter. And all of that other stuff is bullshit. Right. And I think every time that that happens is maybe because I'm, I'm with you and I'm, we're we're aligned in, in that same um, thought process. And um, I love Marcus Aurelius meditations. The thing, I mean, for someone like that to have that level of thought 2,500 years ago when no one had, was even thinking what, was not even teaching what thinking was, it's, it's incredible. But maybe those are the, maybe those are the things that kind of keep pushing us and keep putting us to the test, right? Maybe, maybe those are that, those, every time that happens in our lives is, is, is a test to see how committed we are with what we believe. Yeah. Do you and, really believe it? Yeah. And why? Right, 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 right. And then that will force you to push people away from you. That would force you to, you know, to pivot drastically in your business. And, uh, and, and maybe that's the push that you needed to then follow this other path. It's the journey. It's it's that constant reminder that, yeah. man, it's all about the journey and not necessarily the destination, which is a lot easier said than done, right? Yes. And I think, you know, social media, one of the things that it has shown me that I did not predict, but I'm very, very aware of this now, it has shown me and I think all of us that even the most basic things assumptions that I think we all had before the internet about what humans believed. We had assumptions about what another human believed. We had a, a belief that we had a common set of principles. So like, for example, if I say it's a good thing to rescue a baby who is dying of cancer and to help that baby, I can say something like that with 100% certainty that we can all agree on that, right? And then right. social media shows you time and time again that some jerk out there will say, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like they'll come in with some opposite troll or hating viewpoint. And you're yeah. like, really? Even that? Like right. nothing goes unchallenged. Absolutely nothing. And it's it's very hard to deal with, especially that, that gaslighting feeling where you say like, I thought for sure we could agree that eliminating poverty was bad. 
No, 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 no. We can't agree about that. We can't agree about anything, it turns out. Right. So that's, right. again, like, what do you believe and why? Well, I, there was, I heard this, I'm trying to remember where I heard it. It was, it was probably in, uh, I really like this podcast by Stephen West called Philosophize This. And he was, in one of his episodes, he was talking about how if you look at the spectrum of every major change that we've had as a society, right, every major change from, I mean, just pick one, from the Roman Empire to the to Hitler and Mussolini to, you know, Martin Luther King, everything that has ever happened to us throughout history is because one person had an idea and they wholeheartedly pursued that idea. And if they had not pursued that idea the way that they did, nothing that has happened in the history of mankind would have ever happened. And that shows you how powerful one person with an idea is and how limitless, right? the results can be. And again, that's like, that's, those are one of the, you know, grounding statements that are like, man, whenever, whenever I don't know what I'm doing, wherever, wherever I don't know where this is going to go, wherever I don't know, you know, where I'm going to end up, just the pursuit of that one thought, one idea can maybe even inspire someone else, right? Because yeah. even if even if it's not you the one that makes it, but you're the one, you're the catalyst that ended up sp- inspiring someone else to pursue it, then maybe that's worth enough. Maybe that, that maybe that's worth enough, right? Yeah. So yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing that I believe as we get near the end of our hour. One thing that I wholeheartedly believe, and maybe this is arrogance, but it it keeps me going. And I genuinely, genuinely believe, and maybe a lot of people believe this, but I believe that I'm right. I believe that two people can have two opinions, but one of them is right. And and in the case of like anti-science, for example, one group of people sent a rocket ship into outer space for 14 years and landed it on an asteroid millions and millions and millions of miles away. Another group made memes that they share with their uncle. You know, it's like... You could disagree about science or the scientific process, but one of you will be proven to be right. Somebody told Rosa Parks, get the hell out of here. They were wrong. That was just wrong. So I believe that eventually 50 years, 100 years, or maybe 2,500 years, if we have a lifespan like Marcus Aurelius, that people will say, oh, yeah, these, yes, you were right to think about that. That was the right way. Thinking about the environment, thinking about people, recognizing that you saw that. I believe that. But I also am aware of the fact that Socrates was killed for being right. I don't know whether or not I'll be killed or stoned or, you know, for believing what I believe. That won't change. So, like, and that's philosophy in a nutshell, right? I, I, it's funny that you mentioned that. And hey, it served its purpose, right? Uh, because maybe Socrates had not been, you know, killed the way that he was. Maybe, you know, his ideas and his uh, thoughts wouldn't have, you know, landed the way that they did. But I also think, I, I agree with you. And I also think that context matters. I also think that context is important. And, I think we should we should 
do a better job. No, that sounds way too critical. I think we should all be cognizant that context plays a role in the lives that we live in the period of time in which we have given the opportunity to be alive. And I, the best way that I can describe it is that, um, you know, certain things that we now condemn so much to be right or wrong at certain point throughout evolution of us, they were the norm. They were accepted. Yep. That doesn't make them right or wrong. But yeah. at that moment in time, that was just the thing that was just the temperature of the world at that moment. And I would even go a little bit further into acknowledging that if we had not done that at that point, then we would not be where we are today. Yeah. And, you know, it all, it, it applies to everything. It applies to, you know, again, not to keep, you know, talking about Rome, but I, I love like the, the whole like Roman Empire. I, I'm just fascinated mm -hmm. with it. But like there were, I think I read that there were about 6 million slaves that were used in the creation of the Roman pipelines, right? And that, yeah. if the Roman pipelines would not have been created, we wouldn't have fresh water the way that we do now. Now, does that, does that justify that they should have used slaves to build, you know, the, the underground pipelines? No, it doesn't. Or like where the minerals that, come from that make the batteries for electric cars, you know, right. or, or even your phone. Right. It's like you don't so, dig too exactly. deep in any of that. That's true. That's 100% true, right? It's happening like right now as we yeah. speak across the world. So, um, but it's, 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 again, as we keep evolving as a society, I think we, we take more responsibility with our actions because we have a better understanding of the consequences. And it takes evolution for us to fully be aware of our consequences. Yes. And I think we got a brilliant chance to bring this whole conversation full circle right now. And that is this. If you are capable of recognizing that you have a tremendous advantage with technology, with your upbringing and your privilege, if you understand that, yes, you have the latest computer, yes, you have grown up with the internet, yes, you have all of these advantages that 3 billion people in the world did not have and wish that they had, what do you do with that advantage? Do you just keep on running with that ball and say, I'm going to get as far away from them as I can? Or do you stop and say, hey, maybe I have an obligation to help lift up some of those 3 billion people. Maybe because I have that advantage, I have an obligation. Just maybe, maybe not. Who knows? We'll let the haters on the internet. When we clip that out, we'll let the haters on the internet tell me why I'm wrong for that. <laughs> I was like, you yeah, suck. put it on the table. We God, should all help suck. one another. Prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. You would say that. Such a loser, wow. boss. Such a loser. <laughs> I know. It's, I love the internet. I really do. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, but you're you're awesome, man. You've had a, a great story, and thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and time and getting philosophical with me. That's where I love to live. I love living in that philosophical zone, business, individual, <laughs> the social entrepreneurship thing, whatever it is. It's a very fascinating world. I enjoy being in it. Thanks for wading in these waters with me. I want to kind of leave the end of this uh, for you. So first off, 
what would be best case scenario for you in the next five years? And then do you have any parting words of wisdom? Man, in the next five years, we are really, um, we are really looking forward to, um, to growing, to scaling. You know, I think for the past nine years, we've been working on a solid foundation of how the business model works and trying to build a team and trying to bring to, to build infrastructure. So the the next five years for me are very exciting because now we now we have a better understanding of the problem that we're trying to solve and how to solve it. And it's easier said than done. Um, and in, you know, like, like we were talking about, just experiencing the journey, growing purposefully and impacting as many lives as we can and collecting the data that we want to collect in order to prove the business model. Um, it's, it's going to be key for us. And, um, and I just, I mean, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for, for creating this opportunity, this platform to even talk about these type of problems with, 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 you know, the candor that we're, that we're talking about it and just being open and understanding and acknowledging that we, we all should figure out a way of doing what's best for us and for the community and for the people around us with whatever way, shape or form that feels. We always have three things to give and it's time, talent or treasure. So if you're consciously and mindfully doing one of those with people and organizations that you believe are worth it, then keep doing, uh, keep doing that. And, you know, just thank you for, for staying in the battle and, and trying to do what you do uh, best and what you love doing in, in this way, because I think, you know, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Well, I'm grateful for this. And I just want to be that voice in your head that says, you are making an impact. <laughs> you are doing something good. And whether the world acknowledges that in monetary gain or in any other way, I just want to acknowledge it right now so that you leave this call knowing that, you know, I see it and I recognize it and I value it. And you are making a difference in your community. That is a fact. And whether it's enough or not, I'm not going to debate that. It's never enough. But it's also, <laughs> it's also more than nothing. And it's a lot more than nothing. And I would say that that from every philosophical angle is what matters the most. So thanks for sharing your time, the first most important, uh, your time and talent. Now, if you want to give me some treasure, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put my Venmo up there. Just feel free. It's been a blast, Tony. Thanks so much. Um, Thank you and so with much. That, oh, and, and by the way, the website, check it out, esmartrecycling.com. The letter E, smartrecycling.com. See what's going on. Get inspired. It's a really cool program. Everybody should be doing it around the world. There's no reason that anybody should not be doing it. All right. I'll be I'll be I'll be sending you a shipping label so you can ship us those old laptops. Right. Exactly. I gotta find them. I don't even know. I was like they're in the closet. Like oh god. Right. I'll make sure they turn on because I've got one that's from probably 2009. I don't know, but yes, sure, dude. <laughs> Let's make it happen. All right, man. It's been an absolute pleasure, and with that, the official podcast is over. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes we've shared, it would mean a great deal to me if you subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice or on YouTube. And of course, if you shared either the show itself or this particular episode with somebody who might want to hear it to help us grow the audience for the show, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So if you've been a passive listener all this time, I get it. I understand. There's no big deal with that. But it would really, really mean a lot to me if you leave a positive review and help me grow this show. So thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.